Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., all right, welcome back, everyone, to The Fix. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, live in the Prop Swap Studios, AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. And it's that time for your nightly football fix on draft night. No, not an NFL draft night, of course, but NBA draft night, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and the Sixers making some big news earlier. No more Al Horford, uh, unfortunately, Still Ben Simmons and still the rest of that messy roster. Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hot takes here. It's a hot take segment, Johnny Max. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get started. John, how are you tonight? What are your thoughts on the Horford trade? Uh, I, I think it's understandable. I, I do think, uh, you know, Al wasn't used properly, to say the least, uh, under Brett Brown. I think. Doc Rivers uh, would have used him in a better fashion, but at the same time, it's just not a fit here. It was a bad fit to begin with. Um, So I I don't have any problem with them moving on, and more so the better part is obviously moving on from the contract. But, hey, I'm with you, man. I, I am ready to rip the plug out of the wall when it comes to Ben Simmons. I, I think that's it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I don't know how other succinctly to put it. It's just not going to work. No, it, it's not. It can't work. And you and I have talked about it in the past. And, you know, Daryl Morey, you know, I don't know what a bigger feat would be, John. Um, I tweeted this jokingly, and we'll, of course, get in the Eagles here heavy in a minute. But I don't know what a bigger feat is. Eagles winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles or Daryl Morey unloading the Horford contract and potentially the Tobias Harris contract in one offseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not as big as you can always get rid of bad contracts. Like, when people always say that, you see it all the time. They do it in baseball as well. I mean, if you're willing to give up draft picks, if you're willing um, to – to do certain things, you can always get rid of contracts. So, you know, it's sort of, and by the way, I'm not comparing Daryl Morey to the name. I do not speak because he's a much more, much more accomplished uh, basketball person. Mm -hmm. And I, and I have a lot of confidence in him, but at the same time, I'm never impressed by tearing things down getting rid of contract. I'm more impressed by stacking good personnel decisions and that's where he will succeed or fail. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I'm not a fan of Tobias Harris. Just listen, there's always bad contracts, um, but Tobias Harris to be in that max contract 
elite air and then how the roster has been built with relying on Tobias to create his own shot. Like he doesn't do that, but I'm hoping Daryl Morey now is going to be able to get the right personnel in here. And if they do keep Tobias Harris, it's because maybe they have a James Harden, which probably isn't likely, but someone who is a elite scorer and ball handler that the guys who are still on this roster can slide into their appropriate roles on the basketball floor. So I, I agree with you. It just all depends on uh, the fit and how you build it yeah. and stack talent. I mean, James Harden can create his own shot, but you know, he's, he's over 30, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Ben's a lot. Yeah. Ben's a lot younger. What <laughs> you want to trade that upside for the former MVP? You're crazy. I know. I know. We're not going to be able to say, well, next year's the year. Not going to be able to say that anymore. And by the way, James doesn't even want to come here. He wants to play in Brooklyn. Yeah. So it's it's all for naught. Yeah, it's all for naught. But there's a lot of NBA news and you know we'll we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. John does it all and uh you know we'll we'll sh- we'll be sure to react to the NBA draft a little bit more on tomorrow night's show. Uh but let's get into the Eagles, right? And here we are, middle of the week, and we're really shifting focus, John, now to the Cleveland Browns, and if the Eagles can figure out a way to get a win against a better team, a better team being the Browns and the Giants. And the Browns, I'm not a huge fan on the Browns. I'm not sold on them, but they have a winning record. They have some talent. They have a strong run game. Um, So I don't know if you want to start there. I know Carson Wentz also spoke today, but uh, I did ask you last night about your initial thoughts with the Browns and their run game. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the strength uh, of the team pretty clearly. I mean, they're not very good passing the ball, and it's only gotten worse without Odell Beckham Jr. Um, defensively, they're kind of middle of the road. You obviously have a great pass rusher in Miles Garrett, but overall kind of middling defense, not terrible, not great. Um, the one special part of that team is their running game. And, it, you know, people focus on the running backs who are very good. Nick Chubb is back. And um, Kareem Hunt, who we all know was turning into a superstar in, in, in Kansas City before he had the issues. Uh, so, you know, talent-wise, that might be the best one-two punch in the NFL. But more so, it's the offensive line. The offensive line is in Fletcher Cox today called it the best offensive line in football. That's how good it is. Um, a little, I, I don't, I never know how to, you want to phrase this as positive for the Eagles or not, but Jack Conklin, who's their um, really good right tackle is on the COVID list today, but it, as is Cody Parkey, our old friend, not only from playing on the Eagles, but from the double doink game. Um, but they're all close contact, so they should be able to play uh, as long as they keep testing negative uh, before Sunday. But it's one of those things where, uh, and, and now the entire league is under these intensive protocols. So it's been going on throughout the entire league. You have these guys on the COVID list during the week. They don't get to practice, and they show up and play on game day. I don't know if that's <laughs> – what the NFL should be doing, but that's that's what they're doing. So that should be help the Eagles at least a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll see. And and we've talked a lot about that. What 
policy procedure, what the NFL is and is not doing. And, uh, you know, that's a whole nother topic. I, I agree with you. I don't think they've handled this right, but it, it's, it's so hard to dissect that, uh, you know, when, when talking about guys that could be available and could not be available, John, let's, let's get an injury update. And I saw the injury report from earlier and I thought it was a typo or there was a page missing. Yes. I think we all did. I was, I was waiting. I usually have to page down. <laughs> It's uh yeah, essentially nothing. I mean, this is the healthiest the Eagles have been all season, even really dating back to week one because of all the issues they had in training camp. I mean, everybody of any note uh, should be good to go. I mean, we're talking about Rudy Ford. He's a very good special teams player, uh, maybe having some issues and Sean Bradley, but I, I mean, not the key components of this team. And I think the bigger questions from the injury standpoint this week will be Isaac Samalo and Zach Ertz. Remember, they were both at practice today, and Isaac was at practice last week as well. But technically, they're still on injured reserve. They're just on their 21-day practice window. So they don't have to be put on the injured report, injury report. Um, and I said, I mean, if they're cleared, they got to get out there and play. None of this nonsense about rust or, or getting them some time in practice. The Eagles are past that. Eagles are past that belief in themselves, or they should be. They need these players on the field and let them kick the rust off on the field. Exactly. You know, these guys need to go and they need to figure out a way to uh, get as much talent as they can in pads and and out on the field and and try to get things somewhat back on track here. Um, I mentioned to start the conversation, John, that Carson Wentz did speak today. Uh, So let's let's dive into that. What was your takeaways? And if you want to just recap it all for us. Well, I, I think the biggest takeaway is it, it, it seems like a tidal wave ever since the bye week. And, and, you know, if you look at Carson's numbers, and, and they really are just astonishingly bad. I, I, I If you would have told me this is where Carson Wentz would be essentially midway through the season, before the season, I would have called you nuts. I, I mean – He's 33rd in the league in passer rating. Think about that. There's 32 (laughs) starters. He's 33rd. He's 33. Um, He's 33rd in completion percentage. Uh, He's dead last in interceptions. uh, uh, Dead last in a negative fashion uh, with 12 interceptions. I I mean, everybody has chimed in. We've, We've told you the names. Most notably, everyone focused on Brett Farr because of his relationship with, with Doug Peterson. But, you know, it's been Ron Jaworski. It's been Brian Billick. It's been Danny Cannell. It's been Lewis Reddick. Y- you name it. Everybody's got a, a thought. There's been anonymous GMs, anonymous uh, personnel people in, in Mike Sando's quarterback tears piece. Um, on and on and on. And the latest being Mike Silver. Uh, from the NFL Network talking about Carson's sloppy practice habits, and that's what was brought up today. Uh, and, and, hey, Doug talked about it Monday as well, and it was interesting, you know, going through the political season as we just went through the election. 
you you could see the talking points because Carson almost said to the word what what Doug Peterson said, and it's basically, well, you guys aren't there pointing to us at the media because we're kicked out after, you know, 15, 20 minutes at practice. So how do you know we're sloppy? And we didn't call them sloppy. Uh, Mike Silver said people in the organization think he's sloppy. Hmm. So it's not coming from us. Right. Uh, so I don't know if that was a, uh, a sort of a plan to deflect because everyone loves us so much, the media as a whole. Uh, so it's easy to blame us. We get blamed for Jalen Rager deleting his Twitter account, which is fine. You can blame us if you want, but that's not what the report said. The report said there's people in the Eagles organization um, who believe Carson Wentz's practice habits are sloppy and he's not being held accountable. And it's interesting because Doug Peterson also on Monday said everybody's held accountable. So he says he didn't hear the report, but he's using the same terminology. And that's sort of a coincidence as well. Uh, But I asked Carson uh, about it today and particularly about the outside noise as a whole, because I wanted to bring in all the Farves and Riddicks and Billicks and all that. And he said he got off social media about two years ago, which I, I, he should have. I agree with him. That's the way he should approach this. Um, but, I, I mean, he's still got to go through these press conferences. So he hears what's being said about him. Um, and I think he understands it. And he, and he basically said, look, uh, obviously I'm not clicking on all cylinders, which is uh, an understatement. But he realizes he's got to play better. The question is, can he play better? That's that's the question, and we've been waiting for it. And so 33rd in completion percentage, 33rd in interceptions. And what was the other category that you brought up? Interceptions, which he's dead last. He's tops in the league with 12 interceptions. Uh, and, and, you know, his career high is 14 as a rookie, and he's at 12 with seven regular season games to go. So um, he's fallen off a cliff from a, a um, um, playing standpoint. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would have, even even the people who who didn't like Carson Wentz and didn't think he was an, an elite level uh, quarterback, which I, I thought were legitimate criticisms, even those people wouldn't say, well, he's certainly at worst mid-range, maybe – 12, 13, 12 to 15 as far as ranking quarterbacks in this yeah. league. Well, guess what? He's closer to 32 than 12 or 13. I've been very critical of Carson Wentz, but I've been critical from that standpoint, John. I've been critical of this guy isn't an MVP caliber quarterback. Like 2017, he's the legitimate NFL MVP. So we all safely assume before he gets hurt. And then ever since then, he hasn't been anything close to it. And I've argued he's not top 10. He's not top 12. He's probably mid to lower middle pack. Um, And you fast forward what he's done now, really, from 2018 to now. My question is, who is Carson Wentz? Because he finishes the year strong last year, and it gives us that hope again. And now here we are in week 11. And let's say, John, 
he comes back to earth a little bit and he's not terrible, but he's good over the next couple weeks. He has a couple really good statistical games to finish the year. Like then what, you know, like, isn't this 11 week body of work or 10 week body of work? I should say enough for us to be legitimately concerned that he very well just could be a bottom 10 quarterback. Yeah, I, I think it's a legitimate concern now. I, I, as I said, I, I kind of had him right in that 10 area. And I, and I would say in a, on a good year, maybe he could get up to eight or nine. And on a bad year, he'd probably fall back to 13 or 14. I thought he was safely settling into that sort of uh, certainly uh, above average type quarterback, but not superstar uh, level quarterback. That was before the season. Now, yeah, now I don't know what to think. Now he's certainly bottom third. Uh, The question is, why is he bottom Mm -hmm. third? Is it uh, physical stuff? Is um, (laughs) Is it the supporting cast? Um, and I often point out how Aaron Rodgers elevates his supporting cast, which he, he certainly does, but that is a superstar. So you can take that off the page, so to speak. Forget about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I do think it's legitimate to say, and Doug kind of went out of his way again today and said, look, these rookie receivers, man, he essentially got as close to saying what I've been telling our audience for weeks, which is basically these guys can't run routes. And hopefully they learn. But I sit and and, and, and we got into this and I just mentioned it. We got into it yesterday a little bit and I, I, I don't want to harp on it. But man, you see a rookie receiver who can run routes in Minnesota. Yep. Take the damn pick. Instead of worrying about uh, horizontal stretching of the offense, instead of worrying about finding Tyreek Hill, find the receiver that can run routes. And they don't have one. And and that's why they're so desperate to get Alshon Jeffrey back into this offense now. Uh, Because he's a veteran guy who who at least understands where he's supposed to be uh, and, and be in position. But you know, specifically, Doug was talking about that rub route early in the game that James Bradbury broke out. If you watch that on film, mm-hmm. that's as bad as it gets from Jalen Rager. That's not on the quarterback. And that's what Doug was saying. So part of it is just a terrible supporting cast again. But at some point, I mean, Carson's got to be better. He's got to be better. You can make all the excuses in the world. And a lot of them are legitimate, as I said. Yeah. The ones that the ones that aren't legitimate are take care of the football, which he has not done, and, and don't hurt your team, which he too often has done. Yeah, it's it's a bad football team. So you can find excuses, right? And, and there's a lot of legitimate excuses, but you can only hide him behind those excuses for so long and yes he has young receivers that don't run good routes and that's a front office problem that's a personnel problem you know that's the blame's not all on number 11 there but there's plenty of blame to put on him so it's 
it's dissecting and trying to, you know, swim your way through all these excuses and all these murky waters of this is a bad team from top to bottom. And it's, but, but it starts at the quarterback and I, I just don't know where they go from here. I don't know how much longer the front office and the coaching staff is going to defend Carson Wentz. I don't know what their plan is moving forward. Um, you know, and, and I don't know what's going to happen. My biggest fear, John, is that he plays well the rest of the way. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just not sold on him. If he has a good stretch of three to four games, I, I'm not going to say, oh, whew, thank God. Okay, Carson Wentz is back, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're in that perpetual fool's gold type of situation with the Eagles. And, and generally in the past, it's been about the team as a whole. And, and you go back to last year in December and say to yourself, well, what, what did that playoff run really mean? You know, beating um, the Giants in Washington and Dallas without, you know, with, uh, 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 with Dak Prescott who couldn't raise his right arm above his shoulder. Um, what did it really mean? And I, I think, and even if you go back to the year prior and, in the run with, with Nick uh, again, what did it really mean to get to the playoffs, even though they had the double doink game? And I thought the Eagles as a whole thought it meant more than it really did. And, and that, again, I, it, you have to point to the front office because you got to be honest about yourself and you got to be honest and say, well, you know what, if our schedule didn't have, the Giants and Redskins, at the time they were the Redskins. Yeah. Got to put a quarter in the swear jar. But um, if the Dallas Cowboys, you know, if Dak Prescott was healthy, they're probably not winning that game. You got to be honest with yourself um, about that type of stuff. And I don't think the Eagles have been honest with themselves at all times. No, they certainly haven't. Um, they certainly haven't. And, and you're hearing a lot now this week and this isn't new but um you know doug peterson's game plan going into sunday wasn't you know it was more of the game plan and the blueprint that was the problem not the carson wentz play and the quarterback and offense play <laughs> but uh, uh, okay. yeah uh, i can i address please that, yes Ryan? i i mean look i, I and, and Doug said it today everybody can call better plays nobody's perfect uh, which is common sense but uh, so I, I'm I'm going to tell whoever it is, fans, media member, coach. I, I'm going to tell whatever it is. You you put together your perfect game plan, shine it up. Uh, I'll go Dwayne Johnson on you, <laughs> <laughs> and but but point and, and okay. So I have a crystal ball. Uh, and I know exactly what's going to happen on game day, and what's going to happen is. Leonard Williams is going to get seven pressures right up the middle and hit the quarterback five times. Now take your shiny little game plan, <laughs> flush it down the stinking <laughs> toilet. And it, 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 again, it's about execution. It's about blocking. And I always talk about the offensive line because that's the most important part. If you can't block, uh, somebody, you're not going to look good offensively. You might have a great, great game plan, and no one will ever know because Leonard Williams is blowing it up. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's just, and I, and I use that terminology all the time. You're judging decisions. You're not judging anything. At, you're not judging decisions. You're judging results is the point. Right. So you're looking at the result of a play and saying, that's a bad play call. You're saying, Doug Peterson didn't have his team prepared. And you just watched Leonard Williams blow up the play. So, I, I mean, think about it. it. Are you right? Or did maybe Williams have something to do with it? Yeah, everyone has a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right? I mean, it's... Yeah, it's the famous Mike Tyson quote. I, I mean, everybody, but every coach in this league will tell you, whether whether it was Bill Walsh back in the day, who might be the greatest play caller in history, according to most people, or whether it's Adam Gase, who might be the worst coach I've ever seen. Every coach will tell you the same thing. It's about execution. It's about blocking the guy in front of you. It's about catching the football. It's about making the throws. It's about the personnel more than the coaching. Now, where coaching comes into it, look, if if everything was in a vacuum and everybody had the exact same variables on every week, Bill Belichick's going to win more games than Adam Gase. Right. But, you know, even Adam Gase can beat Bill Belichick uh, if everything goes right from a personnel standpoint on on any given game day. And that happens all the time in the NFL where bad coaches beat good coaches. Why do you think that is? (laughs) Because the execution isn't there on the field. Yeah, it certainly isn't because all of a sudden they got to be bad coaches and the bad coach got to be a good coach. Right. I mean, this guy won a Super Bowl less than three years ago. He turned stupid in less than three years. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And it's even more ridiculous when you're referring back to a division game. Like it's Eagles Giants. They know each other. They And I believe Doug when he says, because I think anyone who understands the game uh, of football, like you know, this is true. When when you know your opponent, even if there's a new head coach or a new quarterback, it's they know the tendencies. They play each other twice a year. They know the style of the division. Like you, you know what's coming. It, it comes down to execution. Doug's game plan can only involve so much. Joe Judge's game plan can only involve so much. Who's going to step up and have a big day? on the offensive side of the ball, on the offensive line on both sides and the defensive line on both sides. That, that's really it. Yeah, and maybe and, and maybe the better example from the Giants game is the defensive side of the ball and Jim Swartz, where everybody admitted, not only Jim, but also T.J. Edwards yesterday. Um, you know, they got gashed by the 80-yard run in the first game last month Uh, on a look they had never seen before. So they had it practiced. They looked at it. They knew it was coming. Um, It came, and they didn't execute it. And T.J. Edwards uh, took the blame for it. Uh, He was not where he was supposed to be. And all of a sudden, Daniel Jones goes for 34 yards and a touchdown. There's a perfect example. People say, well, the Eagles aren't prepared. They prepared for that exact play. They knew it was coming. Everybody knew where they were supposed to be, where the gaps were, and the middle linebacker didn't get in the right gap. 
it's that that's execution. It's that simple, right? It's execution. Um, you know, we're talking with John McMullen, NFL Eagles insider, just like we do every night right here for your football fix. Be sure to follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. Uh, John, you just brought up some examples from the Eagles defensive side of things, but we were talking blocking a few minutes before that. Give me your updated assessment on the Eagles offensive line. Well, I thought Lane um, played really well uh, against the Giants, as it typically does when he's able to get out there uh, from a health standpoint. And I thought Jason Peters played well as 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 well. Um, so the tackles were fine. The issues were in the interior, and it's kind of expected uh, when you're starting Matt Pryor and Sua Opeta. Um, but Jason Kelsey had a bad game, and, and Jason will be the first to admit it. Um, and I just mentioned Williams, and uh, he gave uh, the entire interior a lot of headaches. Um, and the Giants have a, a very good defensive line. Tomlinson is really good. Lawrence is really good. Um, so that's the strength of their team um, as well. So it is good players. Uh, and so it's a combination of the Giants having really good defensive linemen in that 3-4 look. And the Eagles interior having a really bad afternoon. And that's kind of what happened. On the flip side, um, if you would just want to talk about the Eagles defensive line, Brandon Graham, we've talked a lot about him. Who's been playing consistent. Uh, the sack numbers are there, but it's not always just about the sack numbers. It's just about your ability to get past the, the guy on the other side and, and create havoc and pressure into the opponent's backfield. Um, but but what can the Eagles do this Sunday against the Browns from the defensive line standpoint? Well, there it is. It's strength versus strength. As I mentioned, Fletcher called the Browns the best offensive line in football. So this is not your typical um, uh, game where the Eagles automatically have the advantage because probably the strength of their team, certainly from a defensive standpoint, is the defensive line. Uh, Brandon Graham, as you mentioned, is having a, a great season, but I mean, coaches have known that Kevin Stefanski talked to us today and um, Kevin is obviously the Browns rookie coach and he's a Philly guy, excuse me, new Philadelphia guy. <laughs> That's for Chris Heck. Um, and he went to St. Joe's prep. He went to Penn. His dad is Ed Stefanski, the former Sixers GM. He started his NFL careers in intern. Uh, with the Eagles and Brad Childress liked him so much. He took him out to Minnesota and that's where it all started. Uh, but he didn't want to talk about Philadelphia in his start because he was focused um, on the, on the game. And he said, he'd talk about that after uh, and kind of look back on it. But, um, and it was interesting to me, the first guy said, I'm, I'm worried about Brandon Graham. And I, you know, that's been the case in the NFL for a long time. So, for whatever reason, people haven't haven't noticed it because of the sacks and, and fans love sacks. But Brandon Graham's been such a great player for such a long time. And the respect he gets from other teams, it's it's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, strength versus strength. And we'll get more into this matchup over the next couple of nights. Um, before I let you go, John, because when we talk tomorrow, this game will be live. And, and I talked a little bit earlier in the show about this Cardinal Seahawks matchup and the storylines 
that are surrounding it. First of all, a really good Thursday night matchup. So fans stop complaining about crappy Thursday night games. We have Kyler Murray, whose odds to win MVP has jumped all the way up to seven to one. Russell Wilson is being asked to score two touchdowns on every possession. The defense can't stop anyone. And the offensive line for Seattle is not that great either. But the importance of this game, both teams six and three, both quarterbacks at the top of the MVP candidate list. How do you see this one playing out tomorrow night? Well, it's interesting because the Seahawks haven't uh, played well recently. And, and I think even in their great start, they they were winning a lot of close games that they probably shouldn't have won. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's it's kind of flipped. The, the script has been flipped out there. The defense has been terrible. And for so many years, it was the Legion of Boom and how good they were defensively. Um, and now it's all on Russell Wilson's shoulder. And then everybody's excited about Arizona, understandably so, but they're coming off a Hail Mary win. I mean, let's be honest, if it wasn't for DeAndre Hopkins playing Superman, they lose, and and it's a different narrative. One, I I mean, it's a very good division. I'm not saying these aren't very good teams, but one thing I've pretty consistently said, and the 49ers have kind of fallen off because of all the injuries, um, so they're kind of out of it. But if you think – you know, these two, these teams got to play each other. So you're starting to see that somebody's got to lose Seahawks Cardinals. Somebody's going to six and four, unless you have a tie. And we hope that doesn't happen. Hmm. Uh, the Rams are going to be playing uh, as well. So uh, when everyone looks at the NFC West and saying, there's going to be three playoff teams, you know, pump the brakes there because they got to play each other and, and there's going to be some losses piling up, but, I do like Arizona because they're playing a, a little bit better. And Seattle, they got some issues to fix. And I, I thought they'd get a, a little bit better uh, defensively when they got Jamal Adams. And uh, then he got hurt. And, and, and maybe it'll help now that he's back. But they got to get better and, and better quickly on that side of the football. And I'm not talking top five or like they were with the Legion of Boom. But they got to be just middle of the road and and they'll be fine but right now they're not even close to being middle of the road no they're not even on the road right now (laughs) so i mean they got a lot of work to do and uh you know tomorrow night's game is going to be interesting i'm looking forward to it and, and we'll see how that impacts the division and those two teams moving forward john and i will be discussing that for you uh for your nightly football fix right here on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. All right, John, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be talking more tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, John. There he is, NFL Eagles insider John McMullen. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen, extending the play every Saturday morning right here on 1490, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And check out his written work, phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at SI. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 